We individualize training in the pool, so why not individualize your nutrition? Erica Barney of Barney Wellness Building will help you and your swimmers get exactly what each athlete needs through genetic testing and personalized nutrition plans. So stop guessing what you should and shouldn't be putting into your body. Athletes within a few weeks have noticed they're recovering faster because they're fueling their body with what they need and staying away from what their body hates. Erica understands swimming. She gets it. She's worked with over 20 Olympians, including the fastest man in the world, Caleb Dressel. Group discounts are available. So go to Biney Wellness Building and get in touch with Erica today. That's Biney, B-E-I-N-E, wellnessbuilding.net. All right, we're on. Tanika Jameson, all the way from Houston, Texas. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? Good. Now, what I realized is as I was sitting here reading your resume, you swam at Texas, then you coached at Texas A&M, and now you're in Houston, Texas. So did you just get convinced that Texas was its own country? <laughs> uh, I'm not there yet, but uh, I'm definitely <laughs> sipping the Kool-Aid. <laughs> so why, why Texas? What is it about Texas that makes it so great? You know, when, when I was looking for schools way back when in the 1900s, um, I wanted to find a place where I would fit in and, you know, feel like I was part of, of something that's bigger than myself and be part of a family. And I found that at the University of Texas. And, you know, the weather here is is brilliant. I mean, I, I have shorts and I have a long sleeve on because it's cold in my office, but shorts and a t-shirt walking around in February. So, um, so that's definitely a big draw. And, you know, the people here are really friendly and um, my family lives here. So there, there's really no big draw for me to leave the state. Really? You've never like been kind of thought about of maybe I should go and check out another state for a while? Oh, no. I, I mean, I lived in Pennsylvania and I lived in California. So I've been on basically every coast and just I just found a home here in the state of Texas. Um, you know, when my mother moved here my sophomore year, going into my sophomore year, uh, my so uh yeah, and to Houston, and my twin sister went to University of Houston, ironically. So it's just a, a family affair here. So Now, there is there's legitimate rivalry between almost the three schools in itself because it is they're all in Texas. So, like, you right. swam at Texas, then you coach at Texas A&M, massive rivalries there, but then there's also got to be some sort of rivalry with Houston. So, like, where do you feel comfortable on weekends when they're when they're playing football games and things like that? It must, you must be torn in different directions. I when I first started uh, my job at at A and M, for the first year, I was probably heckled by someone either at A and M or friends who found out that I was working at A and M. Mm. Um, so I, I kind of got used to that. But you 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 root for the team that's paying your your paycheck. Yeah, um, yeah. So when mm -hmm. it comes down to when it comes down to Houston, you know, going to A and M or Texas, I'm going to root for Houston. Um, yeah. But on an off chance, I'm going to you know root for my. Uh, since I'm a, I'm a master's from A and M and an undergrad from Texas, so I have multiple schools I can cheer for. Yeah, makes sense. Well, listen, hey, congratulations! You just won your second uh, title since you've taken over as head coach there at at Houston Swimming and Diving. So um, another big congratulations to you. Thank you so much. It was definitely exciting. We, we leave our fans in suspense. What do you mean by that? It was, it was a tight race? It was, it was a tight race. It came down to the last individual race. Um, wow. Okay. So we, we basically were down after the tuner breaststroke. And in the finals of the tuner butterfly, our girls 
I mean, they, they stepped up and they got the job done. And basically all we had to do was finish the relay and we were going to win the meet. Wow. Uh, now you're in the AAC. What's the AAC? The American Athletic Conference. American Athletic Conference. So who did it come down to? You and who else? Who was the race, the title race between? It was between uh, our program and uh, Florida International. Uh, they're recently added to the conference next year. Um, but from my understanding, their conference ha- is dissolving. And so the four teams came in uh, a year early to compete. So how many teams make up the conference now? Currently, there are 11 teams, I believe. Oh, pretty pretty competitive then, huh? Oh, yeah. And we, we were looking forward to it. So Yeah. So when it's head to head like that, as a, as a coach, how much coaching do you do? Like when it's, it's basically a line call of like, Hey, we're, we're down to the last event mm-hmm. and everybody knows it on the pool deck, the teams know it. So what do you, how, how much coaching can you do there? Or should you do in that instance? There, there's really not much more that we can add to it. Cause you don't want to add any extra pressure to your athletes, but the way that we approach just the meet in general is, you know, our team gets better each session and mm. we wanted to win each session. And if we do that, then we're going to give ourselves a really good opportunity. I mean, this year was a little bit different where we had diving start the meet. So they dove Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. And so our divers did a phenomenal job of giving us a really sizable lead. And as the meet went, we knew that we were going to be strong in some events and weak in others. And so it's just really just maintaining, um, you know, points, getting people in the heats that they need to be in finals and then doing their job when they get to finals. Yeah, it's, it's very strategic and there's a lot that goes into it. How, how much preparation can you actually put in for a meet like that where everybody knows the ebbs and the flows, right? You understand mm-hmm. that, okay, these are our strengths and, and we're going to be good here. And then these are the, the events we're going to take a hit. But in terms of taking the hit, we don't want our confidence to take a hit during that period of time. Right. For us, I mean, it, it all begins at invite, right? So it's it's a pretty similar format where you have a three-day meet. Hmm. Um, you know, when you get the conference, you have that additional day for relays, but it, it really starts there. And you learn a lot from that from that meet. I mean, for us, we do a three-day uh, drop taper, and we get some good performances at that meet. But then we also learn a lot. So we have some athletes that do really well. We have some athletes who may just be a little bit off. And so as, as a coaching staff, we use that information as we continue to prepare for our conference meet just a few short months later. Um, and then we draw from that. We draw from the strengths um, and weaknesses that we had at Invite. Uh, we draw from the strengths and weaknesses that we've had at various dual meets. Um, and then just really play that up. I mean, the, the, there's nothing more that we can do at the meet training-wise. Uh, so it's either you're ready or you're not. And so it's, it's really just managing emotions, managing um, the, the team atmosphere and just hope. And it's not so much hoping for the best, but just hoping that what we've taught them the entire season that, you know, they're going to step up on the blocks and be the confident athletes that we, we train them to be. Mm. Now, when you map this out beforehand, prob- probably the week before when the, when the psych sheet comes out or whatever it is, and you kind of map it out on paper, was it supposed to be this close? Yes. Yeah. Not this close, but we we knew that we knew that it was going to be a close meet that it would not be a runaway. Um, right. think, thankfully, we we have you know a, a good group of divers, 
Um, but, but our team, you know, last year kind of had the same similar situation when we lose some key athletes prior to the meet. Mm. And so it's just reorganizing and revamping and rethinking the entire conference meet. And, you know, with the loss of a, of a couple this year and, and last season, we still had confidence going into each meet. And we knew that, you know, the athletes that we were taking to the meet were going to perform and that's how we train. And so it's, it, on paper, it, it, it was going to be a closer meet um, than probably what others thought, but what we thought was going to be this close. Now, when you take over a program like this, that obviously won, I believe, like five championships in a row before you get there. You, you're now at the end of your seventh championship in a row. So you've got a decision to make. Do do I come in as the head coach and say, I want to keep this streak alive. I want to, I want to put all our eggs in one basket. Or do you look at it and think to yourself, we need to aim bigger. We need to get women to the NCAAs. We need to perform at our best at that meet. And if we have to take a hit at the conference level to sacrifice that performance, and that's what we do. How, how do you, you know, process all that? That's a really good question. Uh, you know, coming into a program that has had so much success prior um, it is, is, you know, is good good and bad is right. you have the expectations from your administration from your fans from mm-hmm. your alumni mm-hmm. um and from the and from the student athletes but then you know you don't want to have that complacency of all oh, this is just going to happen that, because that's that's not realistic and so the way that myself and coach allen and coach bob have kind of designed our program we're looking in the future we're looking you know two three four or five years down the road especially being able to move into the big 12 conference this upcoming July, uh, this season, our main focus was preparing for that transition. Um, mm. You know, the Big 12 is is a pretty dominant, especially with the University of Texas uh, in that conference. To be competitive, you have to start thinking that way. And so this year, we're, we're really just starting to plant the seeds of where our program is going um, and the expectations of, of what's going to happen in a year's time. So, it, so it's, it's really managing, you know, the athletes that we have now continuing to get the best out of all of our student athletes and then have that expectation as we move to the big 12 of we really need to step up our game because there's a lot of great things that's going to happen not only for our team but for all of our athletics uh for the university of houston and it's just going to raise up the playing field and the texas are going to the sec though aren't they i, I believe they are but i think they're going to be there for one more year okay so we'll so get them for a season get them for a season. So, mm-hmm. well, but beyond that, right? Like, yes, the, the, the conference is a big deal and you just stated that, but like as a coach, you've been to, you've been part of teams that have been top three at NCAAs. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you've, you've been there. You've been that person who've taken these teams and competed at the highest level. So don't you have aspirations for your team? Is it possible for a Houston team to even compete at that level nationally? Yeah, it, it's possible for any team. And I tell my team, you know, all if you look at the predominant teams currently, every team had to start somewhere. And so where we're starting is the beginning of our process towards that level, right? And it, it's not going to come all at once. It's going to take, you know, recruiting year after recruiting year to get um, not only continue to build off our off of our athletes that we have here who are doing a phenomenal job, but also adding in pieces that are going to help us get to that level. And then once you start getting more athletes to the instability level and, you know, not only competing, but finaling, then you're going to get start getting more recruits that are going to be even more interested in your program. I mean, our facilities that we have here 
our, our top notch and we have an indoor 50 meter uh, facility that mm. can that can host a, 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 a huge conference meet. They can't host an NCAA meet, but we can host a conference meet. And so mm. um, our facilities are, are phenomenal to be able to bring in athletes not only from within the United States, but across the world. And, you know, having a lot of various um, attributes, whether it's having multiple airports or living in a city, there's so much to do around our, around our town that's going to draw people in. And especially moving to the Big 12, we're looking forward to using that as a stepping stool to start getting to the NCAA level and getting in that top 15, hopefully in the next five or six years. Well, what about in terms of the struggle of the mentality? You know, you come into a program and they're, like you said, not complacent, but they're, they're happy to be winning these, these conference titles, right? And you, as somebody who's been successful at the highest level on the NCAA level, coming in and saying, hey, there's more than that. We can go beyond this. How do you switch that mentality of the women to, for them to say, we're doing well, you know, start, we don't need to be pushed that hard. You know, we're happy over here. We're, we're winning here. But you're saying, hey, there's more on this national level. And the mentality is different. You know, you know it. Mm-hmm. And then what that creates is this kind of angst amongst the group of like, who's coming with me over here? Because we're, we're going to this NCAA level and anyone mm-hmm. can do it. We have the facilities, we have the people. So it's like, you're, you're like pushing that and they're like, so there's this resistance in a way, right? There can be, but I think that's with anything. You know, if you have a, a new head coach going into a predominant uh, program, there's going to be some type of pushback for any program because there's going to be change, right? And so the mentality of, of, of our athletes is, Yes, this is something that's brand, I wouldn't say brand new, but if we're looking to start making a name for our program, then Mm. that is a new mindset. And so the new mindset is not only continuing to be the best, you know, student that you can be and be the best athlete that you can be, but how can we get the best out of that and take it to that next level that maybe you never thought that you can reach? Because we have a lot of talented athletes on our team that no no one really knows about. And so, and we're starting to get more out of, uh, out of those athletes. And, you know, it, some, sometimes you have those diamond in the rough. Sometimes you have athletes who may not have had coaches in the past that, that truly believed in them and, and really, you know, delved into their talent. And we're starting to see that more and we're starting to, you know, build more confidence with our, our current teammates and our future teammates that are coming in. Yeah, I experienced this at Auburn. When I came to Auburn in 97, we hadn't won a national title before. We'd won some conference titles. And David Marsh had kind of changed the mentality, come into Auburn in the early 90s, slowly kind of um, shifted the mentality. And and I've talked to him at length of, of the things, the struggles that he had to go through. And then they finally win the conference for a couple of times in a row. And the team thinks they're there. And David's like, no, we're, we're, there's more. We're, we're going beyond. Mm-hmm. And so my first year that I came in as a freshman, we hadn't won a national championship and we end up winning. And and me walking into the team, I came into a mentality of like, we want to be the best. And it wasn't just, it wasn't necessarily from the coaches at that point in time. By the time I got in there, it was really being run by the athletes. It was an athlete Mm -hmm. mentality of like, this is not good enough. We want to be national champions. Like it's nice to win these conferences, but when I walked into the locker room, like guys held me accountable. Like Brett, mm-hmm. get your shit together. Like we yeah. need you to step up. We need you. And they were on me daily. So do you feel like you're getting those women in the locker room that, that are starting to adopt that mentality? I do. I do. And like I said earlier, it comes with, 
you know, how and who you, you are recruiting. Um, mm. You know, there's, there's questions that you can ask athletes that kind of give you an idea of what type of athlete that is. Um, so it goes beyond just what you're able to do time-wise. Are you going to come into my program or to our program and be a leader? Are you going to come into our program and have that high expectation of getting to NCs of whatever that, you know, whatever the level it is, but it has to be higher than the level that we're currently competing at. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of, that's how you build. And I'm sure that's how, you know, Auburn did it and any program who is currently successful and um, have had those athletes that's come in and the team is driving that. And that's what we're doing here. Um, our culture is a family culture, but it's also turning into a culture of expectation of getting better and leaving a, a strong legacy. And that's what we try to teach our athletes that, you know, what they're doing now, whether they're here um, or with us when we make our long-term goal um, is that they're setting the, the, the footstool, right. Of, of where we're going because of what they did, we're able to go out and recruit more athletes that are going to have that same mentality of moving this program forward and doing something that the, this program has never done before. How do you deal with the challenge of taking a young athlete and getting them to see that there's more in them? You know, like as a coach, that's kind of the ultimate goal, right, is to take mm-hmm. this athlete and get them to do things they didn't think were possible for themselves, right? And and mm-hmm. even for a team, you know, once you have enough people buying into that mentality, then you have a team of people doing that. But like individually, I'd imagine, how do, how do you do it individually where somebody just is just resistant to going to that next level or figuring that next level out? Like in and it's a very sensitive topic these days because it's, you know, it, we certainly don't want to get into this idea of bullying or whatever it is but it's like you're you're forcefully trying to get someone to do something they don't think they can do and it's a very uncomfortable situation so as a coach how do you manage that so that's a loaded question right um i think with how i coach is and this has been you know transparent since my first day as an assistant coach is that i my goal and my role is to help my student athletes be the best student athlete that they can be and it's our job to be able to see the talent in them. And every athlete is going to be motivated differently, right? So mm. it's, it's learning that student athlete and learning what motivates them, um, learning what buttons you can and cannot push, um, but also having just that expectation of, of where I see our team being. I mean, I, I think you can talk to some of my girls and, and, and we have I wouldn't say it's come to Tanika meetings, but there are some meetings to where, you know, my expectation is pretty simple. You know, when you get to this level, there are athletes that are, their times are the same. And so you have to find a way to be better than the athlete that's next to you, whether that's coming down to your turns, your breakouts, your finishes, your starts, um, pace, all those things matter. And so in practice, that's the best time to be able to utilize those strengths and to, you know, exploit some of the strengths or weaknesses that our athletes have. And so when you talk about building a legacy and building a team, those expectations come from within the team that Mm. you're going to make it to the 12 and a half or the 15, or you're going to make the no breather, or you're going to make the breathing pattern. So that starts building uh, leadership within the team, as well Mm. as the expectation of how to get the best out of each individual, because in our sport, it's a team sport, but it's an individual sport wrapped in a team environment. So right. each, each individual has to do their part for our overall team 
win or team goal. And so it's up to the each individual and getting the best out of each individual to hold themselves accountable and then also hold your team accountable so that we're all going in the same direction. Vasa has been the go-to training tool outside of the pool for over 30 years. Vasa's products are ideal for developing power and proper technique in your swimmer's catch. Add a few Vasa trainers to your pool deck and it's like adding an extra lane to your swimming pool. Go to vasatrainer.com, use code BREAD at checkout and get 10% off anything from Vasa. Destro Swim Towers. Gain strength in the water with a tower of power. Save $150 per double swim tower by using code BRETT, B-R-E-T-T, at checkout. Destromachines.com. Yeah. Talk to me about uh, the difference between being an assistant and being a head coach. So when you're at Texas A&M, you're, you're assistant to Steve Boltman and one of the most successful programs in the country there. You guys won um, SEC championships, I believe, didn't you? Well, you we did. By the time we you did. got to the SEC? Yeah, I'm trying to put put the timeline together. Um, you did win. I know that. So, And then you were very successful at NCAA level, like I said, top three a couple of years in a row there. So what is it? what is it to be a great assistant? And then ultimately we can move on to what does it mean? What's the difference between being an assistant and the head, you know? There, there are a lot of things that go behind the scenes that an assistant coach does not know that the head coach does. Mm. Um, you know, being a great assistant means that you are, you know, helping the head coach do whatever he or she uh, requires, that you are right. their their voice, you are their um sounding board that you're speaking and saying the same message mm -hmm. um to help continue the team goal and team drive but then you know also being able to use your strengths to help the head coach build a team um and so being assistant i, I was able to learn so much from uh coach boltman over the years and and seeing just how successful he was and um the confidence that he has and his obviously his coaching abilities and, and the years of coaching that he that he's had. I mean, that's a, a, a wealth of knowledge that you cannot buy. Um, so I was fortunate to be able to work with, with such a leader uh, that will help me transition to being a head coach and being a head coach, um, that transition from assistant to a head is there, there's more stress um, mm. as assistant. It's like if, if the team fails, well, you know, the first person that they blame as a head coach. So now when you're in the head coach, um, now now that falls on you, which is fine. I mean, I have, I have really broad shoulders and it's really hard to push me over, but um, I, I, I was I was ready for this role. Uh, I, I've been a leader since, since all, since, I don't know, beginning of time, I don't know. Um, I, I've always wanted to be out front. I've always wanted to help. I've always wanted to, um, you know, just lead by example and being able to step into this role um, coming off as so much success and being able to continue that success um, has been phenomenal. And I, I'm looking forward to continuing to grow as a head coach because if you meet any co head coach and they say they know it all, well, you shouldn't swim or compete for that for that coach because it's always a learning process, right? And so, so I'm excited for this time and, and I'm excited for the time that I had at A&M and, and my first job at the University of Pittsburgh to be able to use that knowledge um, to continue to help my team here at University of Houston. Well, you stayed you stayed with Steve for 10 years, so mm -hmm. you were a very loyal assistant, and I'm sure you grew um, a great deal during that time. How do how does a, an assistant know when it's the right time to move on and, and maybe take that next step to be a head coach? 
I think every individual is different. Um, for myself, I knew that we were building something great at Texas A&M. And, you know, one of my hopes and goals was to try and win a national championship there. Um, and, and I wanted to stay and see it through. Um, but then, you know, opportunities started to come around. And, you know, when this opportunity came, um, be able, to be able to be close to my family and to take something that has a potential of being something great. I mean, that was a huge driving force for me. Um, and in my mind, I didn't want to put my name on just any program. I wanted to be able to go somewhere to where I can make an impact. And I felt that coming to the University of Houston at that time was going to be my place to where I can start making an impact um, as a head coach. And then, you know, being able to be closer to my family and, you know, have my daughter be around her grandmother and, and her aunt. I mean, it, it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. I'd imagine as an assistant, you probably had more of a group, whereas uh, as as a head coach, you you know, you're, you're overseeing the whole program. So how do you find that balance from where you were, like kind of leading a group maybe under Steve to now having this whole holistic kind of approach to the program? Where, where do you find where you fit in as a head coach? That's a great question. One of, one of my probably weaknesses um, was probably, even though I worked for the best breaststroke coach in the country, uh, well, it was breaststroke. Um, and, uh, and obviously I, I hired a coach who, who swam breaststroke and he knows how to coach breaststroke. And so I'm learning a lot from him and continuing to use some of the things I learned from Steve. Um, but when you look at the totality, I mean, swimming is swimming, obviously, um, you know, you have your specificities with, you know, sprint or mid distance mm -hmm. or distance. Um, but, you know, coaching the groups is the same. I mean, it is, it, I don't want to say it's rocket science because it's not, but, you know, you know how, uh, and I might be one of those, probably the worst coach to ask because I'm, I'm a coach that goes by feel. Mm. Um, and I'm not a coach that, you know, kind of documents everything and, you know, have to hit a certain yardage per week, but I have an idea of where we should be at certain times of, of the season. Uh, I don't know if I if I make my assistant um, kind of nervous, but I have an idea of where we're going. And so far, so good. Uh, uh, we've had a lot of success. But when I'm when I'm coaching all the groups, um, you know, we do have that break where you know maybe Coach Allen's working with the breaststrokers, I'm working with the sprinters or mid distance or distance. Um, and so it, it's always a learning curve and learning process. And I have a lot of great friends that I can call on and ask them questions of of how to get the best out of each group. And so. I'm always learning. Uh, I, I don't know everything, but I do have a good grasp of how to coach each stroke in each group. What about while you were under Steve? How did he best utilize you? So how did he make you feel important? How did he make you feel valued as an assistant? Um, how did he allow you to feel like you had a stake in this, you know? Uh, great question. Um, he did a phenomenal job of allowing me to be me. And um, you know, really just kind of challenging our athletes to be their best and, and finding ways to challenge them in that sense, whether it's going back to those small details. I'm sure if you ask any of my athletes from, from that time, um, they'll, they'll probably say the same thing is, you know, I was able to go from group to group. That was one of the things I love working with Steve is that we weren't just kind of coaching one specific group the entire time. So we were able to have eyes on every athlete and every group and see what's going on. Um, but then, you know, my role was really just to just hold them accountable and get and push and challenge them to be their very best because the time that they have with us is so limited and short, so short. And, you know, going back to, 
you know, being able to perform and compete and, you know, place in the top four, top three, top 10, you know, all those athletes that are at that meet, you know, the times are similar. So how can we get the best out of each athlete? And I think I did a really good job with him and helping our athletes get the best um, performance possible. Now, you, you did say earlier you were going to root for the team that's paying you. <clears throat> the, the team that's paying you now is Houston, and, and you're in mm -hmm. the same state as your former head coach. So I'd imagine you're recruiting against each other as well. Um, you're probably yeah. standing on a lot of the same pool decks, recruiting the same athletes. So you spent 10 years with this man. You know his weaknesses as well. How how does that come into play in terms of recruiting? You know, how much of I mean, how do you recruit, right? Like you, you want to be competitive and you want to get the best athletes and you know your competitors' weaknesses. So like how do you um, balance all of that? You know what I mean? Yeah, for us, I mean, we're, we're always looking for athletes who are versatile, right? We, we try to find athletes that can do multiple strokes. Um, you know, one of the things that I did take from my last position is, you know, we, we do a lot of stroke work for all the strokes for everybody. And, and I think that's just a really good base. And so when you're recruiting against, you know, someone like a Steve or a Carol, um, you know, you're just trying to bring in athletes to believe in what you're doing with your program. You know, I can't, I can't control what other programs are doing. I can't control, you know, how other programs are placing, but I know where our program is going. And there's a lot of draw, I believe, that athletes will want to come to a program to where not only will they make an immediate impact, but also they're going to be part of something that has never been done before. And I know for me, if, if I were coming, um, you know, looking at various schools and being able to hear that um, kind of message that there is a possibility of, of me going to a university to where I can leave a stamp and make a change to where that program is going, I'm going to look heavily at that program because there's a lot of fun in that and not not saying that going to a program that's dominant and you know performing there and doing well isn't doesn't equal but i do think there is something unique about coming to a program to where you know because you were there you helped that team go to x y and z so so you know competing against you know the the universities within the state or specifically for competing against steve i mean they're you know i if, if someone chooses that school over us i mean i wish them the best um, because I know they're going to a great program, but I also know we have a pr great program here. Yeah, good answer. I like the fact that you focus on your yourself and your and your your strengths, um, and don't focus on necessarily the other team's weaknesses. But it, it it certainly must be it must be hard sometimes when when you've got someone you just want to be like, oh, I wish I could just say that, but I can't. So yeah. anyway, I've been there. But um, what's next then? What's what's the kind of the five year plan here for you? You think? Five-year plan is just getting better every year. I mean, we're, we're going to our last chance meet here today and tomorrow and hopefully get some girls qualified for NCs. And then when we take that step and move into the Big 12, you know, the resources that we have are going to be greater. Um, you know, hopefully we're getting more support um, from fans around the city and around the world and continuing to recruit, uh, recruiting those, those athletes that are, are, are pretty dominant now, but then also some of those under-the-radar kind of athletes. And then once we start moving and, and using this um, this train that we're on, this successful train, we're, we're going to start making some big strides here. So in the next five years, I'm hoping to, to place at NCs, be in that top 20. Um, and if not, we're, we're going to do everything we possibly can to be there. Uh, we want to get relays there scoring. We want dive, divers there scoring, individuals there scoring. 
Um, but it, it takes time and, and we're definitely moving in that right direction. What's the mentality of the athletic department? Just keep winning conference and we don't really care about NCAs or it's like, hey, we need to get some NCAA results here. What's their mentality? It's all of the above. Um, and I mean, I hold myself to the highest expectations of, of getting the best out of our athletes, our student athletes. Um, you know, winning conference is definitely something that is on the minds of our administration as well as our, our teams and from our alumni and fans. Um, but also they, they brought me here because they're looking to con to start moving towards being competitive at the NCAA level. And so um, I, I, I love that challenge and I'm excited for that challenge and, and we're starting to make moves towards that. What about, I mean, you're a role model now. I mean, you're a female head coach. So it's like how, uh, you know, if, if someone is looking up to you and what would be your advice to them, like a young woman coming into the sport uh, as a young coach for the first time and kind of seeing where you are, what's your advice to someone like that? My advice would just be stick to who you are. Um, you know, you're, you're going to the time from being an assistant going into if you want to become a head coach um, can be short, it can be long, but there's always things that you can learn as an individual, um, as an assistant, and then using those talents to move to the head coach. Um, you know, don't don't sell yourself short. Um, you know, be confident in who you are and your abilities, but also be humble enough to learn from others and seek advice from others and um, be coachable even as a coach, because, you know, if you're looking to become a head coach, all eyes are always going to be on you. So you have to make sure that all of your ducks are in a row when you, when you take that step into becoming a head coach, because there, there's no fallback, you are it. And so, um, that's why it's important as coming in as an assistant and even a volunteer coach to really start honing in on your own skills and learning what your skill set is and also learning how to lead and be a great leader. Well, there's also a shortage of women in, in coaching and swim coaching as well. So, mm -hmm. uh, but there's also a need for every program to have some balance as well in their program. So there's this, mm -hmm. there's this shortage, but then there's this need demand of like, we, we need equity. We need, uh, you know, balance for sure. Like we need women to continue to come into coaching and we want to encourage mm -hmm. that. But then mm -hmm. on the other side, there's a shortage. So how does a young woman deal with, not moving too fast at the same time, you know, being in a position where it's like, Hey, you've got to learn, you got to grow and mm -hmm. don't rush to a position that just it feels glamorous, you know? Right. And, and again, it goes back to, you know, finding a program that best suits you. Like you don't want to be that, you don't want to be whether male or female, you don't want to be that coach that, that goes to a, a new job year after year after year. That doesn't look good. Like you had, like goes back to that being humble part of learning where you are and staying where you are um, and getting the most out of that position until you can use that to move ahead or, or take a lateral move. Um, but when you're talking about women being in this sport, there, there is a shortage. And I believe I, you know, the reason why I became a coach is because, you know, I had a female head coach and she was my role model. And that was my inspiration to get into coaching. Um, so I'm hoping that, you know, the more, uh, not so much spotlight, but, you know, being able to have as many female head coaches and it's growing year by year, um, that that's going to draw more females, uh, more women into this sport and, and into this coaching role. Um, it, it's always going to be that, that hard balance of, of, you know, getting more women into this sport. But I think there's a big move 
um, and, and a big vibe of, of getting more females into the sport. And, you know, there's a lot of resources that are within, you know, <clears throat> our college atmosphere that are, are helping women um, continue to lead, but also bring in others. So it, there's a movement going and it's exciting. Do you have some aspirations too for some bigger things as well, like maybe uh, leading a, a world championship team or an Olympic team down the road? Is that something that is on kind of the, the roadmap for you? Um, if it happens, it happens. That's not my main focus. Uh, my main focus is always to help and be um, that person that helps our student athletes be the best that they can be. Now, if we're able to get athletes to those levels and be consistent at that level and, and get more eyes and more confidence from you know, USA Swimming or, or various international teams of the athletes that I coach to be able to lead for that country or for our country, that'd be great, but that's not my main focus. My main focus is for my athletes to be successful, um, both in and out of the water. And if it happens, it happens. Nice. Okay, cool. Listen, I appreciate this. It's been fun. It's been nice catching up. Yeah. And uh, where's the trophy, by the way? Oh, um, it's back there somewhere. The, the, the latest one's back there somewhere? Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. So do you have any qualified for NCAAs right now? We do not. We have a few that ha are in a good range. Um, mm -hmm. So we're heading to A&M uh, today and tomorrow. And hopefully we'll get some there. Um, if we don't get it this year, we'll definitely get be, have a good amount next year. But I think we have some girls that can get it this week. Now, do you have a mentality over the summer of like, uh, we've got to put in the work, we've got to get better as a team? Or are you more of a uh, relaxed, kind of chill over the summer? Um, it, it's a mixture of both. I mean, when we take our break after this meet or NCs, there's going to be that rebuilding phase. Um, but our expectation is if you're training here with us in the summer, if you're going home, that you are competing and that you're training um, every day because what you do in the summer dictates what you do, right. you know, come fall and, and come next uh, winter. So it's, it's important to use this time uh, to continue to fine tune things that maybe we could have done better over this season and then implement that this summer. And then when they come back in the fall, we're ready to go because, um, you know, there's no time lost with our sport. You can't just take, you know, three, four weeks off and expect to have some great results come this time next year. So there's, it's, it's just finding and mending and melding all those into one of, of just, you know, getting our girls to understand and believe and trust that what they're doing with us for the remaining of the year whether it's in the summer or not, that what we're coming back in the fall, that we're going to be ready to go. Cool. Well, good luck with everything, Tanika. I appreciate you doing this today, okay? Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Swim Angelfish. Swim Angelfish is an online certification program that strengthens your teaching curriculum to serve swimmers of all abilities. Swim Angelfish will prepare you and your instructors with the skills to teach swimmers with autism, physical disabilities, anxiety, sensory and motor conditions, and more. Learn to teach skills faster and with more comfort with Swim Angelfish. Apply for an only alpha pool product scholarship and receive up to 50% off your certification. Go to swimangelfish.com today to apply.